It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. One, two, three. Juan is now on ESPN Radio. Juan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you're having a great start to your week. Happy holiday season to everybody. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for letting us take a couple days off. I'm Coulter Nuaz. We're coming to you through the ESPN MT studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Missoula Broadcasting, locally owned and operated for more than 15 years, and happy to say so. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, the news of the day out of the Big Sky Conference, Dan Hawkins retires at UC Davis. Sounds like they already have his replacement there for Aggie football, Tim Plow, who's got a lot of Big Sky experience. Looks like he's going to be the guy to slide in Plow, formerly at Northern Arizona, and the offensive coordinator at UC Davis, and then Boise State. So uh, that'd be a good hire for Davis if that's the direction they decided to go. So we talked about that a little bit. Talked about the retrospective history between uh, Grizz football and Delaware. Only one matchup ever, but certainly was one that was an unforgettable one if you were there that day in 1993. Also talked some Lady Grizz hoops. They scored a program record, 108 points last night. What does it all mean when it's against Dickinson State? And uh, we also heard from Kellen Harrison, who was, if they would have had one, the, uh, the MVP of the Class AA State Championship football game. Five total touchdowns. That's all five of the touchdowns that Bozeman High needed for a 35-27 win over Kalispell Glacier. He was our vertical raise Class AA Player of the Week. So we heard from the Bozeman High quarterback a little earlier on as well. All of it on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications has a cool new product called Smart Biz. It's the ultimate Wi-Fi solution for Missoula's small businesses out-of-the-box dedicated networks, top-tier security, and network failover. You'll stay seamlessly connected. Just 20 bucks a month, no contracts. Sign up at blackfootsmallbusiness.com backslash better Wi-Fi and connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. The M Store, where they're all grizz all the time, and the MSU Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org. Also presenting sponsors of the uh, Nuanas Now podcast. Joined in studio by Justin Engels, the business angle, also presented by Blackfoot. How you doing, man? What's going on? I'm doing okay. I'm still trying to get over the fact that the Aggies' new head coach is named Tim Plough. <laughs> That's right. B-L-O-U-G-H. Wow. Isn't, that, uh, isn't that something? Okay, right on brand. Right on brand, right? It's so funny, too. I, I've never quite been able to identify. There's, there's various Aggies, and they all seem to be drastically different. Yeah. Like the Aggies that are the Aggies of UC Davis plant apple trees and they sure. live in sunshiny California where the Aggies that are the Aggies in uh, College Station at Texas A&M are, you know, like ROTC slash uh, plow farmers. Well, there's often an <laughs> agriculturally oriented yeah. university, often a land-grant university and in the state. And so I would imagine that their choice of how to um, articulate the Aggie brand is somewhat tied to the dominant industry of the zone. Although Texas A&M and the sort of military oh, man. affiliation, that maybe is its own brand of special Texan marketing. I'm not quite sure. We're going to go back to Texas A&M because... We will. Uh, 
Matt Brown of the Extra Points newsletter had a, a phenomenally fascinating tweet all about um, just actually what a $76 million buyout like Jim yeah. Joe Fisher got, what it actually all means. Also, uh, Texas A&M hired a new football coach, and then they did their weird thing where they like sing along to each other. The press conference yesterday was just so weird. The whole athletic administration arms around each other, singing their weird songs. It is a, it's just a really, really strange place. It's cultish. It yeah. is definitely cultish. It yep. is, it is a weird, weird place. We digress. Um, first and foremost, though, you're a, you're a New England guy, mm-hmm. New Hampshire. Uh, I was texting you about this when uh, Delaware won their game against Lafayette in the first round of the FCS playoffs, and it was confirmed then that Delaware was coming to Missoula this weekend for a second-round game uh, against Montana. I was doing some research like we always do on some of these playoff schools. That's actually one of the most interesting parts of my the writing part of my job is when you get the playoff crossover and then you get to do some research about these schools that are from you know other places. I knew about Delaware broadly, but not really you know so, intrinsically. Yeah, but did your research tell you that Delaware is not in New England? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's all the same to guys that have never been back. All those there. little states out yeah, there. Yeah, all those the little right states out map. there. So, okay. so is Delaware just like right? At, what is considered New England? Connecticut? New England, yeah, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Connecticut. Connecticut. Rhode Island. And Delaware is not. So, Delaware's so Delaware is what? Like right below what? Rhode uh, Island? It's right below. Uh, it's, it's sort of attached to Maryland and okay. South New Jersey. This is me showing my uh, American geography ignorance. It's, Six, it's several exits down the highway. <laughs> sixth grade me would be so disappointed in myself because I totally could have told you where the, uh, on the map is. Either way, yeah. um, it was interesting learning about Delaware just in, in general. Mm-hmm. But the one fact that I was so curious about is... They have a one point almost eight one point seven eight billion dollar endowment. Right, right. that is a, an astounding amount for any institution, but particularly a you know largely a public state university. It is a large endowment, and um, there's a variety of reasons for that. We can talk about. Um, you I know. guess first start with what is an endowment. I, I'm sort sure. of familiar, but you're, a, you're you work in higher education, so you, you're more familiar with this. Yeah, so they're structured differently at different institutions. At the University of Montana, our fundraising foundation is a separate, a nonprofit organization that raises money on behalf of the institution, and that money there there's a protocol for transferring money between this charitable foundation and the university for various purposes. An endowment is generally um, a pot of money that's been raised through philanthropy mm-hmm. that can be used for various things um, to support the university. It can be used to support investment in new faculty, new programs, new buildings, new technologies, whatever. Um, but it, it, it is sort of a way to think about it is like the principal. If you if you have a mortgage, you get mm-hmm. your interest payment mm-hmm. and your principal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The endowment's kind of the, the principal. Got it. Right? And it can spin off money. So oftentimes you don't want to dive, you know, if you're managing your estate, you don't want to like spend into principal, but you can spend off of some of the interest sure. in your portfolio. Right. So thinking about it that way is useful. Now, how does the university develop an endowment? Well, oftentimes it's just through philanthropy, right? Getting people to donate money. And with the case of Delaware, they've got some competing donors. So interesting story that, um, you know, the founders of DuPont are Democrats. Interesting. The the founders of DuPont eventually, at least one, matriculated their way to Missoula. I I I I went to church 
with Betty DuPont. Okay. She was uh, she was an older gal when I was a kid. I, she was somebody that I knew as grandmother. Somebody, I'm sure my mother's going to text me right now who she was, but right. she was part of that that family, the DuPont uh, paint, right? Well, the whole sort of chemical industry chemicals, empire. Chemicals, oh, right, right. right materials, yeah. chemicals, etc. And one of the employees at DuPont was William Gore, who left the company to found W.L. Gore Associates, the makers of Gore-Tex. Wow, okay. Right, and so now there's this rivalry between the companies uh, in terms of their business, their businesses mm-hmm. overlap, but also um, this sort of rivalry in their heritage. Both Gore and DuPont went to Delaware, and they sort of are competing. The families are competing donors. So on the campus, the Gore building and the DuPont building are right across from one another. Uh, of course, uh, the most famous alum of the University of Delaware is the current president of the United That's States, right. Joe Biden. Yep. His, his wife, uh, Jill Biden, also a Delaware alum. Chris Christie, uh, governor of New Jersey, is also a Delaware alum. So a lot of uh, who's who there. Right. And so you can get a large endowment through a variety of ways, right? One, you can get a lot of gifts or you can get a small number of large gifts. Sure. So there can be a lot of giving. But with that... Um, the university, uh, you know, I, I don't know the ins and outs of how they're funded by the state. It's a state institution. My presumption is they're pretty well funded through tuition and sure. and an allocation from the state government such that they don't need to rely on their philanthropy for a large portion of their operations, right? So that endowment yes, right. can be set aside and grow, right? right? And so, one, it's sort of how much money are you putting into it? How much are you taking out? And then how are you managing that money? Um, you know, generally speaking, it's pretty conservative, growth-oriented investment strategy and uh-huh, endowment. Uh-huh. Um, there's a lot of uh, controversies on co- college campuses about what those endowments are invested in. Sure. Uh, right now, like, are you invested in Israel? Are you invested in Palestine? Or all sorts of things like that come to play when you're talking about uh, a college endowment. The the uh, politics of the little ecosystems yeah. that exist on uh, campus across campuses across the United States. Justin Angle in studio, the Business Angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Again, Delaware's endowment, $1.78 billion. To put that in perspective, University of Montana, about $240, $245 million right now, which is uh, you know about normal for the, a school of this size. Delaware is significantly bigger than Montana. There about 24,000 students there at, at Delaware. There's also the element where there is a Delaware state, but not all states have like these two... True. Like Montana is the flagship university of the state of Montana. Yeah. Montana State is the land-grant university. They have state funding that's pretty equitable and there's a board of regents and a you know higher sure. education all that sort of stuff that's not the case in a lot of states like wyoming there's no sister school whatever to mm-hmm. the university of wyoming in delaware delaware is the like the flagship and the land grant all of the delaware states is a little bit subsided i guess i don't know yeah delaware is much more the university of delaware is much more the flagship institution and the right. state is tiny i mean you could probably fit yes. 20 states of Delaware within the the total size of of Montana and just the density of universities in that space is is pretty high to begin with. So the need for all these other, you know, the need for a competing flagship isn't necessarily there. Yeah, interesting. So uh, what does it all mean when it comes to athletics? Well, this is interesting that this is the week that Delaware is coming to Montana because I I think it's safe to say this will be the last time they ever come to Montana. That's not just because of what might or probably should happen in the game on Saturday. Delaware is moving up to Conference USA. This The news came out the day after Delaware basically clinched a, a, a ticket to come out here to Montana. So they're moving up to FBS. I heard from a lot of people, well, how are they doing this? 
Well, Delaware has a nice stadium. It holds about 18,000 people. That's certainly not on par with either of the Montana stadiums, but better than most of the rest of the FCS. You probably can expect an expansion. They also have a, an operating budget of almost $49 million. I think that's another thing that stems from only having one uh, you know, big-time athletic department that's getting a lot of the state funding. Yeah, I think so. And they have access to major media markets. That's right. I mean, it's in Newark, Delaware, which is, you know, within an hour of Philadelphia, probably an hour from Baltimore, a couple hours from D.C., sure. not far from New York. Just the density of population centers. And depending on how you're monetizing that audience, you can sell into a variety of channels, the remainder of the cable bundle and then all the other streamers as well. So they, they, they probably have a pretty dedicated audience that has access to the content. When it comes to this conference realignment, it's one of our common themes. We're always talking about this. And I continue to think about these main factors. For someone like Delaware, do you think it's, think it's media market or location or like availability to to you know, regionally be able to fluidly move into conference. You say, what do you think is the biggest factor to them being able to make the jump? Well, I mean, they have the money. I think a few months ago, we talked about the increase in the, just the flat fee to move sure, up right, to FBS. Right, right. Something like $5 million. $5 million. You think about right. a $1.8 billion endowment. You know, I don't know how that money's necessarily partitioned, but... $5 million is rounding error. <laughs> That's probably, right, yeah. the, the portfolio probably gains and loses more than that you know, in a day, in a day of, right. of trading. So $5 million is kind of a rounding area. Era. That's, it's real money, though. It needs to be managed intelligently. For sure. My best guess is that Delaware wants to sort of step up and be a high-profile state university on par with other state universities sure. in the region. Right. And those are all, you know, FBS-type level schools in the area. I mean, we talked about Rutgers a few weeks right. ago and the move they made. Well, Delaware can kind of, you know, if they can kind of get a similar deal, the quality of the football or, or the other sports doesn't matter so much as the access to the media contracts at this point. It, it's just, uh, it's so interesting because uh, I think that we, it's still this this common theme we go back to where People that are listening to this show, by and large, are either from Montana, live in Montana, or connected to Montana. And you're sitting there thinking, "Well, the Grizz draw ten thousand more fans per game than Delaware. Why? You know, the Grizz have won more national championships than Delaware. They're more nationally relevant. Why are the Grizz moving up?" And I think that it just keeps going back to these primary factors. Where are you located? What's the geographical fit for somebody that might actually invite you into their conference? Why are you alluring to their conference when it comes to your brand and your media market? And then how do you fund it? And I do think. You know, I, I was talking back to this. Imagine if Montana and Montana State were one university. I don't. That would be detrimental to the the higher education in the state of Montana, but it would be very beneficial to the athletics in the state of Montana, just from a financial perspective. You mean as far as like just combining the talent that uh, you know, the talent, but also just the also just the funding. I mean, imagine if you sure. just you doubled the state funding, you doubled the student athletic fees, you doubled the budget, right? Like if you just put those two budgets together, then you have Delaware's budget. Um, perhaps. I mean, we don't know if it's necessarily a doubling. Sure, right. right like right. The, if the powers that be wanted to consolidate into one that's university, true. it that's wouldn't true. be just double everything. No, that's true. That's They'd true. They'd probably try to cut costs wherever they can. That's true. And then you probably upset an, enough of your donors that you'd have some fraction, right. fractionalized uh, donor base. So. You know, I, I don't know if I agree with the premise of the question. However, I do think that there is something to say about, you know, th this hypothetical unified front could be a more compelling media property. Sure, right. Potentially. 
and you know you, you have one fewer media properties to access you know an already fairly small but uh, but reasonable market. No, it's now ESPN Radio, the business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. Another thing I sent you along on the text thread was about this new uh, NIL collective, yeah. the good old yeah. Grizzlies. We've had some conversations with them. They've reached out. Nice guys. Um, the way that this is working, though, is that there's been a couple of attempts at having some sort of semblance of organization and a little bit of brokering when it comes to NIL deals for, for Grizz athletes, specifically Grizz football players. But it's been sort of this moving target and... You know, quite frankly, I think the University of Montana itself has been a little bit uh, late to the party when it comes to this. Montana State has an NIL collective that's uh, established now and is, sure. is, is churning a little bit more when it comes to contributions. They don't want to call it donations because it's not that there's a lot of jargon there. You know, the universities want donations to be for the university or for the athletic department. Yep. These are contributions. So regardless, though, Montana State's had this going for a little while. Montana now, they have a, a, par, a third party uh company basically to do this for them this company represents 45 schools already uh, but the, the extension here in missoula at the university of montana is called the good old grizzlies collective so it'll be interesting to see how this works i don't know i the nil thing is here to stay there's no question about that uh in the immediate future the long term i'm not exactly sure but i do think it's something that schools athletic departments at least have to have some sort of a plan for i don't know how this is going to all go but it does seem like you need, just need to have something in terms of you know sort of bumpers on this this situation yeah it, it it would seem that way that some degree of of regulation or policy is is required um because if it's just the wild west i mean boosters are going to be writing huge checks for people to transfer now that there's the transfer port portal we have an example where there's right. plenty of examples of that already. right i mean cam ward right now is the starting quarterback at washington state he's already left incarnate word high and dry he was the fcs freshman of the year in 2021 Transfer up to Washington State. Well, now he's dabbling in the portal, and he already has five one million dollar a year offers. So that's just that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So you're sort of introducing market forces into a world where there haven't been market forces, right? And with that, you've got some of these consequences of people moving around in such a way that you know, are you diluting the product? You know. In college sports, there is more, well, players are just by nature more transitory. They're there right. for smaller amounts of time than right. they are in professional franchises, although there's more movement in general across all kinds of sports. But but introducing this profit motive or this market mechanism and allowing students to transfer, student-athletes to transfer without any constraint, are, we, are these schools, in an effort to prop up their brands, um, uh, actually diluting them. Sure. I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot because Caleb Williams, for example, he won the Heisman Trophy last year. He uh, came back to USC this year. They've had a disappointing year by what their expectations were in yeah. the preseason. Uh, he could come back next year. The The number one pick in the NFL draft, the, the slated draft salary is between $4.7 and $5.1 million. Mm-hmm. If Caleb Williams wanted to go after it, he could get way more than that. On the open market, sure. Yeah, like on the transfer. Market. Yeah, the transfer market. Yeah, we, we've seen a couple guys that are that are like juniors that could be seniors that have already announced that they're coming back because they're going to make way more money. Sure. As a you know West Virginia quarterback or whatever than they would as you know a third round pick in the NFL. I, it, it just feels like that that's a weird 
shift in the in the quote unquote market, so to speak. Absolutely, and it's not necessarily a new problem, right? When like sure. LeBron James signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers, he had already signed for with Nike for a far larger endorsement deal. So the question is, like, does he really is his employer the Cleveland Cavaliers or is it Nike? Right, right? and so right, right. You know the same. Michael Jordan of, and the Bulls were the same way. True, and so the same. But it, it wasn't always that way with Jordan. Right, like he right. wasn't quite outstripped by his sponsors sure. initially. But the question is, like, how, how do you? What what mechanism is there to regulate this? I mean, right. We've talked endlessly in this seg in this segment on the show about how the NCAA is just declining in its power, right? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of social license to create regulatory frameworks around this stuff. And now you've sort of opened the Pandora's box and allowed a Wild West dynamic to occur. Yes. Um, it's sort of hard to imagine exactly how that gets reined in, um, particularly because there's legal frameworks now in place and, and, and sort of jurisprudence that would that gives the student athletes the right to monetize their name, image, and likeness. And so there isn't necessarily an overarching body that says, hey, you can't do this. Um, so it's going to be hard to uh, to put constraints on it. The the sport that this is impacting the most, at least initially here, to me is is men's college basketball, because you only have twelve to fifteen guys on a roster. Yeah. yeah. So if you can, if that, yeah, right, and if you're one of the big time programs, getting five to ten million dollars with the NIL money to go then disperse is is not that crazy of a, a thing, right? If you're Duke basketball, North Carolina basketball, Texas, you know, tech basketball, whatever, you could definitely come up with three to $10 million. Yeah. And then you can give every guy on your roster a couple hundred grand. The reason this is messing up college hoops is they, all the power programs are recruiting as many guys as they possibly can with the, as big a bag of money as they possibly can. And they're, there's all these false promises that are associated with it. And then all of a sudden you have all these guys that are leaving mid-major schools where they could be stars, they could be standouts, they could be great players in the big sky or the, you know, the whack or whatever it might be. And they're the ninth guy at Texas Tech or they're the, you know, 11th guy at Kansas. Yeah. They're not playing. And it's it's just messing up the, the whole hierarchy of it. But then on the flip side, because there's all these transfers available, about one half of the amount of high school kids that could be getting into the Division One ranks aren't. So it's it's kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul on both sides. And in some ways, you got to think about like what do these donors or, or contributors yeah, sure, right. want? Right? right? They want return on their investment. Right. So they want to return on their investment in a few different ways. They want to be able to monetize the name, image, and likeness. So if you're a Missoula business, you can get a Grizz athlete yes. in a billboard for you, a magazine ad, whatever. And you know, sort of we. We all kind of understand how that mechanism works. Yes. But you also probably want some outcome on the field or the court. Sure. Right? And so if you bring in, if you throw a bunch of money at an athlete who comes in and then either transfers out, I mean, that's probably some sort of a contract violation, but, mm-hmm. but isn't getting the playing time. Right. You know, what sort of influence does that person have For sure. over the coach, over right. the style of play, over the athletic department? All kinds of conflicts that um, are, are probably playing out in real time. Raekwon Battle, who's one of the best players of the Big Sky this last year, actually last two years at Montana State, he then transferred to West Virginia. He could have gone to Utah State with Danny Sprinkle. He didn't. Mm-hmm. He went to West Virginia for a reported $300,000 NIL fee. Then the NCAA turned down his waiver because he's already transferred from Washington to Montana State and now to West Virginia. So the one-time transfer is already over. Yep. 
He's petitioning the NCAA right now. There was a there was an article in the Washington Post about this yesterday where he's saying, hey, because of where I come from and all the things I've experienced in my life and all this tumultuous uh, nature of the state of college hoops, this is detrimentally affecting my mental health, and he's really going after the NCAA. There's both sides to it. I can see it. Sure. But more than anything, the fact that he's ineligible makes this NIL money now sort of in flux as well. Yeah, this is a good open. example, right? Like, Do they have to pay him if he doesn't come? Or, or if he's or if he's there, but he's not eligible? How does that work? I, mean, I would imagine when you sign one of those contracts, there is a ton of fine print that yes. stipulates the conditions under which that money gets paid or not paid. Yeah. And, you know, that's another piece of this. Like, our athletic department's educating... Um, you know, I, I don't know what kind of resources like this this third party entity, good old Grizzlies, has for educating these sure. student athletes. Um, if they're not doing it, well, the athletic department of the university and the coaching staff they absolutely should be educating yes. their their student athletes on the pitfalls and 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 things that to look out for when you're signing a big stakes contract like there, this. There's so much depth to this too because I think at the University of Montana or Montana State, the way this is going to go. Yeah, you got a couple guys that are driving free trucks, and you know you might be able to get tens of thousands of dollars in NIL money. Yeah. You're not going to be getting millions of dollars either, though. And I do think that there's a little bit more validity to you know a car dealership giving a truck to a Grizz guy. There's, there's a mutual agreement there where both sides are benefiting from that. You get to some of these big schools where it's like there's the guy at Miami who was running this company that was at once, uh, you know, uh, a multi-million dollar company that then went bankrupt, but he's paying all the Miami players out of this. And what are they actually doing for this company? Nothing. Are they actually promoting it? No, that he's just using it as a way to filter. Yeah, it's a shell game. <laughs> right? That's where it gets crazy is when you got like the T-Boone Pickens of the world at Oklahoma State and they're like, oh, we're going to give all these guys NIL deals to work at all my various businesses, and they don't actually have to do anything. Now we're just back to the beginning, you know, where Oklahoma was paying guys to work one day a year at the car dealership for $25,000 a piece, right? Like, that's what they got in all that trouble for initially. It's it, it just seems like such a crazy thing to wrap your mind around, especially at the highest level. Yeah, I mean... At one level, the athletes should be entitled to monetizing their name, image, and likeness. You know, if the university that they're playing for or representing is doing the same, yes, there is a, a, a coherent argument that the athletes should be yep. able to get a piece of that. And I think that's what the, the courts have held, right? But what you got to look at the unintended consequences and you have to look at what does this do um, to the student athletes sort of future right if we got student athletes hopping around from university to university um, probably less likely to actually be getting an education how many of these student athletes are going to end up being professional unclear uh, finishing their degree unclear getting the sort of education to manage that money in, in a way that that benefits them and their families that's also unclear so it is kind of a wild west moment the business angle justin angle here on nuana's now espn radio the overlay between business and sports we don't necessarily have to talk about this because we're kind of up against it but i just want to get these stats out here because it's <laughs> funny we've been talking about this quite a bit matt brown runs the extra points newsletter friend of the show he's come on several times with us uh, it's a great newsletter if you're into like the ins and outs of college sports especially the financial parts of it and like sort of the athletic administration parts of it he has a lot of good information in there but he he, he tweeted this 
Uh, this is actually a couple weeks ago when Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher received his $77.5 million buyout from Texas A&M. Matt Brown says, Jimbo Fisher's $77.5 million buyout is a truly staggering amount of money. To buy, but to help put this in perspective, here's some data journalism. 70, $77.5 million is quite a bit more, actually, than the gross domestic product of Tuvalu, which is $60 million. $77.5 million is more than the total annual athletic budget for every single public school outside of the Power Five. That one was the most compelling that, stat That's to me. crazy, right? Uh, the median athletic budget uh, spent across uh, the FBS for the year of 2022 was $80 million. So Jimbo Fisher is basically getting a buyout that's equivalent to, to most FBS he- Playing athletic departments. Yeah, I mean we're can we're it's not seventy seven million in one year. That's right. It's over ten years, right? So right, but he it is front loaded. He's going to get like fifty before before yeah. the new year, which is pretty <laughs> crazy, right? Which is good for him, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, it's just such a staggering amount of money. What was it? So you could buy seven million? What like hamburgers? Yeah, yeah or we'll, something? We'll, we'll keep going. Uh, $77.5 million is more than the entire uh, AAC or Conference USA ticket revenue for every single sport. Those are two, not Power 5 conferences, yeah. but those are two top 10 or 12 conferences in the country. Every single sport in both of those combined is less <laughs> than Jimbo Fisher's buyout. Okay, let's keep going. $77.5 million is more than the entire endowment at Texas Wesleyan University. And finally, the one you just referenced, $77.5 million is enough uh, to pay for 7.7 million bacon and cheese Whataburger combos at College Station in Texas. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things you could do oh. with $77 million, oh. right? And oh, man. It's sort of, it's, it's quite a statement that this person is getting paid that amount of money to not work. To not work and that... Donors are the ones footing the bill. Yeah, man, yeah. what a state of affairs in in college football. Sorry if this is depressing. Sometimes <laughs> and we just try to make it as light as we can, but uh, it is a wild world out there. Justin Angle here uh, in studio. Thanks for swinging by, man. Thank you. Blackfoot Communications helping you to connect connect to more. If you want to learn more about their smart biz, visit blackfootsmallbusiness.com backslash. Better Wi-Fi, Blackfoot Communications, helping you connect to more. We'll keep on learning about Delaware. We don't really know much we can tell you about North Dakota State that you don't already know, but we'll give you some facts about the Bison as they make their way to Bozeman as well. And we'll hear from our Grizz Star of the Week, Ryder Meyer, Fairfield, Montana product, and one of the breakout stars of the University of Montana football team. That's all next. Keep it right here. No one is now ESPN Radio. Jewelry Design Center is not your average jewelry store. The friendly, welcoming staff is so excited to be in Montana, and the craftsmanship, unique creativity, care, and artisanship you'll receive at the Jewelry Design Center is second to none. Is there anything you guys can't do? We don't cut diamonds. <laughs> okay, yeah. But we can facilitate that. <laughs> right. It's unique that we cast our own metal, we grow our own models, we hand carve, as well as use computer-aided technology to design. We're pushing the limits of what we had previously thought was impossible. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television.
That was like the biggest song in the world for like half a minute in time. Welcome back. On is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Appreciate you for tuning in here uh, on this uh, Tuesday. A stat from a uh, loyal listener, good friend Jen, who used to work here at Missoula Broadcasting Company, who, who we still work hand-in-hand hand with on a few different things. By the way, good to see you today, Jen. Thanks so much. But she said, uh, John did the math. That's her uh, husband. 58.8, so almost 59 states of Delaware fit inside of Montana. <laughs> so Delaware is so small, there are 59 times Delaware could be fit inside the state of Montana. So talk about population density or lack thereof. Uh, pretty fun. We will uh, be expecting sometime here in the next, I don't know, 15 minutes or so to hear from Ryder Meyer. He's a junior safety for the Grizz football team, one of the breakout players for the Grizz this year. And uh, he's our Grizz Star of the Week. Our Grizz Star of the Week every week presented by Ryan and Miller, your Montana attorneys. Ryan and Miller, the law firm, is dedicated to providing their clients with the best representation. Paul Ryan and Angie Miller work as a team to provide one-of-a-kind legal services for each of their clients. The law firm works hard to ensure their clients get the compensation they deserve after being in a car accident. Consultations are always free, so call 406-542-2233 to discuss your case with Ryan and Miller. For more information on Missoula's most trusted law firm, visit ryanmiller.com. Ryan and Miller, your Montana attorneys. Here's the uh, ins and outs of the Delaware Blue Hens. We talked about their endowment and uh, where they're from, uh, Newark, Delaware, and you know some of the specs on their uh, university. One interesting fact that we didn't drop. Actually, here's two interesting facts that we didn't drop yet. Um, first of all, Delaware University of Delaware was founded in 1743. That's right. That is... Uh, a full 33 years before America became a country. So that's something. Uh, the other fun fact is that uh, Newark, Delaware is population 30,000. But as Justin Engel just said, it is within uh, you know an hour or two of several giant main uh, metropolitan areas. So um, just a couple things about the University of Delaware. But how about the actual football team? Well, Delaware, uh, they lost their second game of the year to Penn State, 63-7. to That's no surprise. Of course, Penn State, a perennial power and, and one of the top uh, programs in the country. And then Delaware won five in a row, so they sat at 6-1 and one and were ranked as high as number five in the FCS polls. Then they fell to Elon, 33-27, and uh, that knocked them down just a little bit. But still going into their regular season finale against their rival, Villanova, they uh, sat at uh, with a chance to play their way into a, a top-eight seed. Sam Herter, Hero Sports, who, by the way, will join us tomorrow uh, here to lead the show, he said that he thought that um, the winner of the Villanova-Delaware game would get either the seven seed or the eight seed in the FCS playoffs. Well, that proved to be true. Villanova won that game 35-7, to and Delaware... Uh, fell into the first round, and Villanova got the eighth seed. Part of the reason, though, that Delaware fell in that game to Villanova is they got their top two quarterbacks knocked out of the contest, and they had to ride with Nick Minicucci, who is a true freshman. Minicucci played just that, uh, I guess, the, the 
last two and a half quarters about of what it was against Villanova, and then he started against Lafayette. And uh, he did better against Lafayette. He was 16 of 25 for 198 yards and three touchdowns, but he also threw three interceptions, and uh, that was after throwing a pick uh, in that game against Villanova as well. So uh, there's rumblings that maybe the starter there at Delaware might be able to come back at quarterback. They're absolutely going to need it because if they don't get their starting quarterback back, I just think Minicucci is going to have uh, uphill sledding to be sure just to, uh, with the challenges that come with Washington Grizzly Stadium. Other players to watch for the Delaware Blue Hens as they make their way out uh, to Missoula. Braden Bros is a uh, 6'3", 250-pound senior tight end that Bobby Houck talked glowingly about at his press conference. He said he thought that Bros was kind of the one that made it all go as sort of the, the straw that stirs the drink there for the Delaware offense. Marcus Yarns was also an all-conference pick there at running back. He had four different 100-yard games this last season. He's getting close to 1,000 yards rushing, but he's also been banged up. So uh, we'll see if, if he's at full strength or not. Jordan Townsend is uh, their best weapon on the perimeter. He's one of the best punt returners in the country. He had an 88-yard punt return against Lafayette that actually wasn't a touchdown. It was as close you can get to housing uh, a kick return without actually doing it. (laughs) He got tackled like on the two-yard line. Delaware did turn it into points, but uh, Townsend also has a punt return for a touchdown so far this year, and he's also uh, Delaware's primary weapon on the outside. 41 catches, 586 yards, and three touchdowns. Defensively for the Blue Hens, Jackson Taylor's their dude. He's number zero. They move him around all over the place. He can roam and play sideline to sideline as an inside linebacker. He can also come off the edge as an outside linebacker. I have no clue how this guy was a D2 guy coming out of high school, but he was. He went to Westchester, which is a Division II school. He was the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference Player of the Year in both 2021 and 2022, and he was a three-time first-team All-American at the D2 level. That helped him earn an opportunity to transfer up to Delaware for his final season of college football, and he's absolutely killed it. He was a first-team All-Colonial Athletic Association pick, 105 tackles, 11.5 tackles for loss, three sacks. Uh, so far for the top guy there on Delaware's defense, again, he wears number uh, zero. They also have a really productive senior defensive end in Chase McGowan, who has 17 tackles for loss and seven sacks. He was also an all-league pick. And then Ty Davis is a, another uh, standout defensively as a safety, big safety, 6'3", 200 pounds. And he was a third-team all-league guy there at the CAA, had 45 tackles, pair of interceptions, and also forced three fumbles. Um so, those are some of your players to watch. When it comes to the, the head coach there at Delaware, it's Ryan Carty. He used to be uh, the offensive coordinator at Sam Houston State. He was the OC on their 2021 uh, national championship team there at Sam Houston. And uh, then parlayed that into this head coaching gig. He's been there at Delaware for two years. Uh, won eight games last year, went to the playoffs, won a game and then lost in the second round and uh, went to the playoffs this year, won a game, and now they're in the second round. He is a Delaware uh, alum, though. He played on the 2003 National Championship team, which is the lone D1 National Championship team there at Delaware. And uh, then he kind of got into the Chip Kelly coaching tree. After his career at Delaware ended, he went and coached in New Hampshire when Chip Kelly was still there before Kelly then went to Oregon 
Cardi was the running backs coach, then the receivers coach, and then he was the offensive coordinator there at Delaware, or excuse me, at New Hampshire. And uh, he was he was the OC there at, at UNH from 2012 till 2017. 2018, uh, he went to Sam Houston, coached on Casey Keeler's staff. Of course, Casey Keeler spent quite some time at Delaware previously to go into Sam Houston. So uh, a lot of different intertwinings there from the East Coast coaching tree. But Ryan Cardi, Cardi only a 40-year-old head coach, so one of the younger head coaches there uh, in the FCS. So there's some of the, uh, the ins and outs, the details of the Delaware Blue Hens as they make their way across the country to take on the uh, – University of Montana. I hear somebody on the phone, so sounds like we got. Uh, our Grizz Star of the Week, Ryder Meyer, joins us right now, live from post practice there at Washington Grizzly Stadium. Our Grizz Star of the Week, presented by Ryan and Miller Law. Ryan and Miller, your Montana attorneys. Ryder, it's been a long time since we talked to you, man. I think the last time you came on was when uh, you were first becoming a Grizz after a great career there at Fairfield. So uh, good to talk to you again. Congrats on a great uh, year so far. How you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well. Uh, just uh, just finishing up practice here in Wadgris, so thanks for having me. Of course, man. Uh, first of all, it's a little chilly today, but it's not as cold as it usually is this time of year. So, I mean, are, are you guys enjoying that part, just not having the cold weather? Or do you guys want it to, to get colder before the weekend? <laughs> um, you know, I think I think we'll play in, in anything. Um, I, I kind of enjoy the cold practices a little bit more. You don't get as tired, and you get to just run around and have some fun with the boys, so... I enjoy it, but you know, if Saturday's a little bit colder, that would be that would be fine with us too. Yeah, no doubt. Well, uh, tell us about the bye. I saw a whole bunch of pictures on uh, social media of several of your teammates that got themselves an elk or a deer, some sort of buck. <laughs> so, did you do any outdoor stuff? How was your bye week? Uh, bye week was pretty laid back. Got uh, got caught up on some homework. I went and saw my grandparents out in Sealy. Um, so I got to see a lot of family that I hadn't seen in a while, and then. Uh, Saturday was great too. We don't get to watch much college football during the season, so we had uh, we had four games of college ball going on at one time. So that was that was really enjoyable as well. What what, uh, what sort of action did you take in? Uh, we watched Ohio State, yep. Michigan. We watched uh, Delaware, Lafayette, and uh, my brother's at North Dakota State. So I, uh, right. I tuned into the uh, NDSU. Dre game as well. Uh, interesting. Of course, yeah, Tucker Meyer, your older brother there uh, at NDSU, so that's an interesting uh, fold. Ryder Meyer joining us here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio is our Grizz star of the week and outstanding junior safety there uh, for the University of Montana. So you got a chance to watch the Delaware Lafayette game. When you're watching a game like that, well, first of all, that was a crazy game. So, I mean, do you take much from it? There was so much back and forth. When you're watching, are you scouting more or are you just kind of getting a feel for it? How are you sort of taking it in when you got it up there on the screen? Yeah, you know, I think more than anything, just kind of kind of getting a feel. Um, it's tough to pay attention to both teams. And, you know, Delaware was had the ability to, to come back on Lafayette. So we can't, you know, we're not overlooking these guys. They're a quality opponent. They're a good football team. So I'm excited to have them in Wadgris, and they're going to be hands up, ready to play. So I think, I think once it comes Saturday, we'll be ready to play, and it's going to be a good football game. 
Well, take us through just your guys' progression as a defense because you know, University of Montana has been outstanding defensively for forever. I mean, for, for most of the modern generation. But this year, it seems like you've added a couple new folds, especially on the back end where you play there in the secondary. And it seems like you guys have really taken uh, the next step, especially when it comes to just how many guys you're playing on defense and, and some of the numbers, especially scoring defense-wise, you guys are putting up. So what have been the keys? How have you guys been able to be so successful, especially keeping these point totals so low there defensively this year? You know, I think a lot of it is just a credit to our coaching and then how we practice, too. Um, you know, speaking for the safeties, we, we teach tackling every single day on the practice field, and it has been great to see that translate to the to Saturday. Um, and, yeah, we've, we've uh, you know, been able to play really well, and I think it's just credit to the guys. Everyone's getting to the football, and uh, we're everyone's preaching, do your 111th, and I think on Saturdays we've been able to do that. Everyone's just honing in on doing your job, and, and it's paid off for us. So I think, you know, we just got to keep keep, uh, keep doing that, keep doing your, your job and your 111th, and, and we'll, be, we'll be good. So When you're in the conference season, I know you're taking it one game at a time and just focusing on the opponent at hand, but you get a lot of crossover when it comes to the film, you know, seeing different teams throughout the year. And, and obviously you're just more, more familiar with the teams in your conference. When it comes to a, a program like Delaware that I mean, Montana hasn't played for 30 years, uh, how do you go about sort of uh, compartmentalizing that? I mean, is it harder to prepare when it is such a, a foreign opponent? You know, I, I don't know if it's harder to prepare. Um, you know, we don't see these guys on film as often as we do with a conference opponent, but um, we, we prepare like like no other. Um, I'm super proud of the, of the way the guys, you know, are in the film room, um, in the playbook, and getting ready for Saturday. And so, you know, we're, we're going to watch a ton of film on Delaware and get them, get honed in on them. So I think we just got to take it as, as another game and just make sure that we're as prepared as we can be for when we step on the field on Saturday. Well, last thing for you then, what's it going to take on Saturday? I know you guys are primed up for a good playoff run, especially with home field advantage throughout. Uh, so uh, how do you take the first step? What are the keys for Montana on Saturday against Delaware? Well, we need uh, we need Wagriz to pack it in for sure. Um, need twenty twenty six twenty seven thousand screwing fans that uh, that definitely helps. And then for us, um, we just got to do our job. Like I said, we got to do our one eleventh on every play. Not try and do too much, and just you know trust the guy next to you. And you know we're gonna we're gonna play as hard as we possibly can. That's what our coaches preach, and that's that's how you know the what the Montana football brand is. So I think I think if we can do that Saturday. We can we can put ourselves in a good good spot to be successful. Noir's Down ESPN Radio, our Grizz Star of the Week, Ryder Meyer, Fairfield product and a starting safety there at the University of Montana. Ryder, thanks for joining us, man, and good luck on Saturday. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. We'll get you set up for the rest of the week. Next. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. And Dwight, your father founded Schulte Law Firm in 1987 and since then has mediated more than 3,000 family law and divorce cases. Why is he so good at that sort of law? Well, he is a smart and patient man. A lot of situations where you find yourself in need of attorney are a high conflict situation. And it's really important. And it's a, a, a tenet of our firm that we work through litigious issues 
in a collaborative way. It's important at Schulte Law Firm that when we're litigating these very serious issues that impact people's lives, that we do so in a way that provides the best representation and the best result to our clients. And what we have found is that the best way to do that is to litigate these issues effectively while doing so with a high degree of professionalism. We can have these disagreements without making it personal. Visit jschultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. And that's all the time we got for today. Seattle Crack and Chicago Blackhawks next. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that yeah. might, it must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home and uh, I saw some kids running around with I love shirt it. on and it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. That's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you but when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean they think, I mean you're the man right now <laughs> for the <laughs> University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know growing up you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that but um, you know it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids lives. Um, you know, I just want to make sure uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time.